everybody, welcome back to uh, Nick and Just Nick Podcast because Fez is not here, he is somewhere off in Hawaii. To be honest, I don't know what he's doing over there. I don't know if it's just purely vacation or he's there for a uh, family. Probably, he's probably firefighting. Firefighting? You know, uh, I think uh, I think they're they're good on that one. But good. hey, Richard, so thank you for the podcast. So instead of Fez today, we have Richard King. It's so weird speaking like more than one person's hearing this podcast, but whatever. Uh, Richard, so, Mr. King, introduce yourself. Who, I, uh, uh, what do you do? What, my uh, name is Richard King. Um, like Nick, I, I build and I drive stuff. Um, I am the owner of King Performance 3D, uh, manufacturer of custom 3D printed car parts, and I like to go fast, have fun, and drink beer just like the rest of everybody else. So. Drinking beer, 100%. What, uh, what do you drive? Um, I have a 2001 uh, C5 Corvette, primarily prepped for... Uh, Cam S, uh, SCCA Autocross, um, also a late model LS Fest and late model King of the Mountain um, Outlaw Optima, and uh, currently an unlimited trim for SCCA time trial. So uh, awesome! A bunch of uh, words and organization and events that I've never partaken. Well, with. I guess. Well, on top of that, it's also track mod and grid life. Yeah. So, like, if you were to place into tra- uh, a grid life event. You'd be placed into track mod. I would be Wait, placed into really? track mod. Really, track mod, not street mod. So the reason being is the carpet, or lack thereof. So, yeah, because there's no carpet at all. But the thing is, too, right? Is I talked to Danny about this. Danny Moore, who owns a yeah. street mod um, Civic with, I think it's a K swap. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. But I'll we'll clarify more. if it's a yeah. K or a B. But regardless, we saw him earlier today. But we'll get into that later. Super fast, super well prepped Civic, and he's in street mod. And he basically said that you have to have all your carpet in your front seat area. Your rear seat can be deleted. Your carpet in the rear can be deleted, but you have to have all of the plastic support trim still in place. So all of like your B and C pillar plastics, if it exists yeah. for the car, those have to be there from what he told me today. Double check on that. And I will, I, will. Also, I will also double check on that because from what I recall about Ravi's BRZ, who would have competed in street mod had he been able to uh, get his transmission sorted out. Oh my God, again, Ravi's coming into this podcast. But in any case, <laughs> had he been able to go and uh, have the transmission ready for Laguna yeah. a month ago, then he would have been able to been in street mod. He had verified that his car okay. checked out, uh, nice. would have slotted in. Yeah. And from what I remember, he does not have C pillars or B pillar plastic. Okay. Uh, He completely deleted his headliner, completely gone. And shoot, now I can't remember if his A pillar uh, material is there or not. But nonetheless, uh, double check on those rulings. So it's really weird because with the Corvettes, right? Like a lot of cars, they have the sort of bond, like bond material sound deadening. They put Mm -hmm. between panels, you know, it looks almost like a weld. The way it's like beaded. Yeah. Um, with the Corvettes, there's like none of that. So all of your sound deadening is connected hmm. in with the carpet. So when I pulled my, my whole carpet, and it's a coupe, it's not a Z06, um, but the carpet in total was 65 pounds. Really? It yeah, weighed that much? super heavy because, no, it's because 100% of all the sound deadening, pretty much that's not integral into the fender liner or the chassis itself. Is, is in the is okay. in the carpet. So the C5 carpet is, is really heavy. 
Um, hmm. That was okay. actually like the first thing I pulled because I realized it was so heavy. Like I was, I just looked up C5 weight reduction on the forum when I like first really wanted to get into it. Like I, yeah. like, I knew I was going to stay in like the mod class stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, what, what are the, the free low hanging fruits and carpet was like 60 fucking something pounds. Yeah. Carpeting. I've never actually like removed the carpeting in my focus. RS, Even with all the other stuff you did, you never did carpet. Cause I remember for a while. No, know. because I was never committed fully to like removing everything. Uh, the only thing that I ever removed was whatever was in the way of the bolt and roll cage. Okay. And yeah, that was it. So like I did delete the uh, seats and everything for, oh, for everyone listening, like I deleted everything for super lap battle. So super lap battle was like quote unquote the most like track, um, not track spec, but, uh, <laughs> the most aftermarket stuff that I had done to the focus. Yeah. So I had front and rear arrow. I had the bolt and uh, roll cage, half cage. And then I had uh, the rear seat deleted as well as basically everything in the back. So like, if you look back, it was just bare metal. So what okay. you were looking at yeah. um, behind the seats. But like there is partial carpeting under where the seat, rear seats sit. Yeah. But the only carpeting that I truly removed was the, uh, I don't know, two by four square um square piece of carpeting that the bolt that the roll cage bolted into yeah and so now you don't even see that because if you look in the back today i have a weathertech floor mat sitting in the back so it covers up that uh missing carpeting but you peel that away and you see the missing carpeting well, that works there. out nicely yeah that's honestly do, i do that's why much, i got the weathertech do you know how much weight you ended up saving when you pulled all that stuff yeah so the lightest i ever got down to full weight full weight uh full for the full tank of gas was 3190 so i was able to go sub 3200 pounds that's that's good having arrow having added arrow to it as well yeah that's it was good. pretty live but that's also when i had the ac delete yeah which at the surface levels i was like fuck yeah it's full race car level but the downside was that i was still living in houston and it was fine up until I deleted the AC. Oh, keep in mind, when I got down to uh, sub 3,200 pounds, I still had the stock seats in the car. Yeah. So those uh, driver side, power side, powered. The passenger side is manual. Both of them are heated and leather and Alcantara, the, the stock seats that come with the Focus. And in any case, um, once I deleted the AC, because we're living in Houston, it's humid, it's hot for nine months out of the year. Carol did not want to ride with me anymore. <laughs> so like once that happened, I was like, well, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Even myself, like started getting annoyed with um, being uncomfortable. Yeah. But Even at night, like I used to go for night cruises and those night runs were just brutal without AC. I did not realize how much AC played a factor. I Actually, in the other big factor, which uh, we'll play into uh, later today when we talk about uh, our run today, was in the rain without AC, total lapse adjustment, without AC, your window fogs up quite a bit. So like my windshield oh, yeah, without AC sure. was fogging up a ridiculous amount when I went out to Mazar Houston. Yeah. So that was another big factor where it's like, you know what, like even if it's, um, even com being comfortable aside, even Carol being able to ride with me aside, I want it for- uh, Visibility. Visibility reasons. Yeah, for sure. And then everything else is like a bonus. So I went and put it back in. It really wasn't that like much of a weight savings anyways. Um, I didn't actually delete like everything in the AC wise. I just removed the AC condenser. And then I removed the, uh, sorry, 
the AC yes the AC condenser between the intercooler and the in front of the radiator, and then uh, deleted the compressor. Okay. That's, but I put that all back in. Nice. So. Yeah, yeah I went, that was a solid year, right? I went as AC. far back as the dryer with mine. Like I pulled the dryer, and then I sealed off with. Oh, foam. my dryer is combined with the AC condenser. Okay. No, my so dryer. Like was one my dryer's like behind the battery, so it's like under the cowl. Of, okay. Of, I hope I'm thinking of the dryer correctly. It was like a little canister. It is thing. literally like a canister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so in that case, mine is attached to the uh, condenser. It oh, comes out as one. That's convenient. Piece. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it was convenient. It, no, I take that back. It got in the way when I was taking it out. You had to like position it in the right angle, but it eventually came out. It meant more weight reduction because there was more lines, right? Like there's more stuff because you had more connections and stuff yeah. going to more components. I really don't like talking to you about like maintenance on cars because like the Corvette is so easy to work on whereas the focus with his engine you know, sitting you know it's the AC delete was so actually hard. one of the hardest things because uh -huh. I agree well because I had to basically almost remove the whole water pump I started with the thermostat housing and I contemplated removing the whole water pump but what I had to do was mm. loosen the whole passenger side motor mount bolt and essentially lift the entire engine almost two inches and then finally did the water pump fit between, I believe it was the water pump, or sorry, the AC compressor finally fit between the water pump and the steering rack Interesting. to pull it out. So that was like a whole, because originally people were like, oh, you got to pull headers and do this. And then I'm like, well, wait, if I have this little gap, I pulled the, the thermostat. I'm like, okay, I need like an extra like third of an inch. Mm. And I'm like, well, I, I jacked up the engine a lot because, you know, I can I need to rotate the compressor while it's being pulled. So I jacked up the engine a couple inches and, you know, that was a whole thing. It was just it was just a pain in the butt Yeah. <laughs> to, to get that. It was worth it, though, because, I mean, in total, it was like 30 pounds. Interesting. And like after winning LS Fest by a hundredth of a second. Yeah. You realize that, OK, maybe that really did matter. Maybe that was the reason I won. Hmm. You know, because yeah, once you're getting into hundreds of a second, uh, everything matters. Which I want to get into, like what uh, what we did today. Yeah. Because what I saw when it comes to autocrossing and like the uh, the as man, how do I put this? Like the extent that people would go to to preserve tire heat or to ensure that they get the perfect run in the couple of runs that truly matter. Like there's only four. Yeah. It was uh, kind of surprising. But in any case, uh, yeah, I think you can speak to this better than I can. So what exactly did we do today? So we did a, uh, a track sprint. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like a baby time attack, right? So we started on the racing surface, standing start, mm -hmm. basically on the start of turn, we'll call it turn one of this track. What track was it? Harris Hill Raceway. Harris Hill Where Raceway in San Marcos, Texas. So. Yep. It is the, the other track in Austin other than, you know, in the Austin area. <laughs> yeah. When you think of Austin, you think of Coda. Instantly, like, yeah. When people think of Texas racetracks, they either think of probably MSR something or yeah. more, more so Coda. Yeah. Um, but Harris Hill's a, a nice, um, a nice, nice racetrack in, you know, about 25 minutes south of, of Austin. Yeah. So, like, for me, I live uh, in the Austin area, I live about. 25 or we both we live about like 25 minutes yeah, north to west pretty much yeah. northeast i'm sorry northeast and so for both of us if we're taking the tollway we're driving by coda 
So at least I, t- I was late so this morning, so driving you by. You took today? Trying to catch up to you, yeah. <laughs> and I got there and I realized that was a mistake because we had to sit in line, but that's a different story. Yeah. Nonetheless, so like Coda from my house is 25 minutes away, and then MS, um, not MSR, Harris Hill Raceway was an additional 20 minutes. So like Coda was literally the halfway point between me and the racetrack that we yeah, went no, to today. Yeah, no, it's crazy to think that like Coda is also very close to the Austin airport. Yes, but like, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So back to Harris Hill and what we did today. So, so down in San Marcos, Texas, um, about 20 minutes south of Austin. So yeah, it's, it's track sprint. So mm-hmm. you have a standing start yep. like by like turn one. And um, let's say that the track is 10 turns. You finish turn eight. There's a long straightaway and there's a finish line on that straightaway. And then you loop back into the grid, which is sort of between the last, the very last turn of the track and turn one where you'd start. So you do like sort of 85% of the track and then you slow yeah. it down and then you, you re-grid and yep. then you do another, you know, eight tenths of a lap. Yeah. But it's, it's time to like an autocross. Yeah. Time like an autocross, set up like an autocross. It's run by an autocross group, but you're not, you're but, on an actual racetrack. And, and there, there are, are no cones. There are no cones in the middle, which I will get into what I really, really appreciate about that aspect. I have some opinions on that yeah. but no no case, no go for it right now yeah you know say it okay say your piece so one of the things that i've done autocrosses or track crosses i think is what it's technically yeah. called where you like you have cones like in the middle and i don't know what it is about it but like it bothers me when i cannot take the racing line or i cannot choose the racing line given like the set amount of track uh because the cone is in the way so like what I really appreciate about today's track sprint is that because it was just start, finish, and go about it as fast as you possibly can, uh, we have the flexibility of like going, uh, like going as quickly as we can. Yeah. Whereas if a cone is in the way, or like there's a cone during the uh, during the course, yeah, just something about it follows bo- me to my core, where like it's taking me off the racing line, and I'm not taking full advantage of the tarmac that has been given to us like that we're paying for i think that's what like what's bothering me like i'm paying or not i'm paying but like the organization is renting out this track i want to be able to utilize the track to the fullest and like in how it was designed yeah granted in <laughs> today's event we ran it in reverse but like that's not too uncommon but that's but that's like, my take on it it's very common yeah it is very common to have hair cell in particular like the other thing too is like you don't have any coda um, you know, re- reverse days, if you will. I'm not sure if it's count clockwise, counterclockwise, yeah. but, um, because of the way the runoff is made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't mind the reverse aspect. Yeah. Like that didn't bother me at all. Um, it was just, I was just adding it so that people were aware that we were running it in reverse and not the uh, forward direction. Yeah. But in any case, so. We get out there, 6.45, had to wait in line a little bit to get up uh, into the event. And something I will say about Texas folks is that I was very surprised and very impressed on how efficient they ran the event. Given the, uh, even the offs, like, at least that's not Texas folks, but that's actually uh, credit towards Harris Hills uh, staff for actually being able to do the vehicle recoveries. Yeah, no, for sure. They did a very good job with that. And it's funny because, like, some of the cars that I saw break are, like, cars I've seen break at other spokes events. <laughs> eh, yeah. You'll, you'll see those common, you know? uh, common issues at yeah. any kind of organization. Um, but in any case, what heat did you run in? 
I ran in second heat, so right before the rain hit. Like, I think mm -hmm. I may have gotten, like, the last run that didn't get really any rain yeah. impactful amount of, of precipitation. Yeah, so heat one was dry. Heat one and two were both dry. Heat one, I didn't have to do anything. That was my off heat. Yeah. For you, you were actually broadcasting in the trailer. Oh, yeah. So they, they, I guess, needed an announcer. And they're like, can you try it? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I've always loved sports commentary. Um, it's always cool, like, you know, lights yeah. out and away we go type thing. So I, I took it. And then people were like, whoa, this is, like, you did a pretty good job. You should try it again. And <laughs> so now that's what I do at, like, every autocross is I, I announce. And I wouldn't, it's my, it's the favorite assignment. Like, you essentially, like, run the show. Like you're calling the shots, you're setting the mood, yeah. you're setting the vibe of the event. Because there's like it spokes events. We've had, I think, for our first four events this year, we we sold out. Two hundred people. So you really, two hundred people two, go autocrossing. Two hundred people. In Coda, in Coda Lot H, dude. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah, that's what okay. I'm saying. Like. So like when you're con when you're announcing you have 200 people and spectators like yeah but like in the run group you're talking uh, for or speaking on yeah. behalf of there's yeah. not 200 people in that run group no there's not but or I'm heat, saying like I say. like it's still to like bring the vibe of the whole event yeah. up yeah you know to 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 make some funny jokes and you know talk about some news in autocross talk about national event stuff talk about like you know just giving credit where credit's due like the the bod because like the the spokes B, bod or board of directors yeah they were out on saturday night out at harris hill setting up all the timing yeah it's all some of those all the safety posts. stuff and getting the core like everything laid out so and they don't yeah. do that normally for autocrosses they just go the morning of and they get yeah. there like it takes them only about an hour to set up an autocross for some reason i thought this was their second event but this was actually their first track sprint yeah event. yeah yeah i was very appreciative of that um I've, the uh names of all the uh board directors and leaders is lapsing me right now but please like semi regards like i want if there if texas folks like only did track sprints i'd be all in yeah <laughs> I, Actually, I, I, should, I, I should say like i will try to go to every track sprint that texas folks have, does you remember it was in, a lot of fun in forza how they have that little mini circuit of coda yeah where it's like only the back third yeah yeah. Doing a track sprint there would be fun. Yes. You yeah. know, you wouldn't have the long straightaway and kill your freaking brakes. The biggest issue with doing that, though, is that whenever an organization, I'm pretty sure, I never, I don't run any organization, but I'm pretty sure whenever an organization rents out a track, even if they're only running the back half, they have to rent out the whole flat track. Oh, for sure. Because, yeah. like, no one else can run the front half. No, for absolutely. I don't think maybe they can work something out to where, like, they're only running the uh, front one. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. In any case, uh yeah so back I'm to saying I that that layout in forza would yeah be that'd pretty be pretty dope. cool you know something by the way uh with the microphone make sure it's not rubbing up against your beard i don't know if it's actually going to hear that but like it might like hear the bristles of your <laughs> beard no that's perfect that's fine um so yeah so you announced on heat one and then i was just like being chill on heat heat one yeah you just Running out. around and uh, getting you coffees because you were uh, complaining about being tired. Dude, I was so tired. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get to sleep till like one. You stayed up late. You were tired. Got you some coffee. So then, uh, dude, that heat two. So that coffee hit, right? The coffee was hitting when I was announced. I didn't. It was a Keurig. So like, don't take me. Any, don't give me any credit for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, heat two was where you were actually able to like run. That's for yeah. That's running. when I ran. So. 
that was actually my first time on an open road course because I had done track sprints before at events like LS Fest. Yeah. Which, or sorry, track crosses at events like LS Fest, which are, and like at Grand Sport Speedway with Houston SCCA as well. You've been at Grand Sport Speedway? Yeah. They have, oh, I didn't they know have that. track crosses there. I know. I've been there. Yeah. It's I a nifty little track, huh? It is. You could do the whole thing in like 53 seconds. Apparently, apparently the, the owners are like really trying to upcharge it though. So like Houston SCCA, you don't, like they're not running there much anymore. Like they used to run there like three, four times a year. That's very surprising to hear because like from what I remember when I lived in Houston and went to Grand Sports Speedway, like any kind of, whether it was hosted by them or an organization, it was always like very affordable. That said, at uh, shoot, when was the last time I was out there? It was like three years ago at this point. But uh, it was kind of run down. Parking lot was like, had weeds going through. Oh, so, dude, it's, it's so much weeds now. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, uh, hopefully, like, more organizations go. Like, it was actually kind of cool to, like, have a small track like that. But in any case, so, yeah, you've done track cross at the Grand Sports Speedway. So this was not your first uh, autocross organization on, or how do I put this? This is not your first time on a track, but it was your first time on a track without cones. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First so. time. Yeah. So totally like it's a, because I've done like a lot of autocrosses, like SEC yeah. Nationals, LS Fest, like tons of local events, mm-hmm. um, like events in Houston, stuff like that. There's like the level of adrenaline and exhilaration. Yeah. Like it's pretty fun. It, By the way, it, real quick, if it keeps bothering you, do you want to like mount it lower on your uh, shirt? No, it's fine. Okay. Um, Matt of adrenaline. The so amount like, of like exhilaration and rush you get. Like, why do you think that? Why did you uh, think it's so? the speed, dude? It's like in autocross, you're like in second gear. Like you, like the second gear acceleration is cool. The lateral yeah. grip is cool, but like. And the arrow works at autocross speeds, right? Like anyone that says otherwise is full of shit. But hey, if it works for you, it works for you. But like, no. But feeling the arrow work at road course speeds, you're like, yeah, Holy it's significantly shit. different. I know the what you mean. The car is like, just so planted. Yeah, no, it's I know. insane. Yeah, because I ran with arrow at um, a couple events, not a not a whole lot, but I have had arrow on the focus before yeah at coda and over at uh equals canyon raceway in uh, decatur up mm. north of dallas and yeah in the high speed stuff where you like the car got kind of snappy as you were describing earlier um in a previous conversation that like snappiness in the high speeds does not really happen when i have the arrow on so i think that's my might be why like your surprise in my car was snappy because like the arrow helps with that, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Well, even so. Vivek, who's the president of Spokes, who's a, mm-hmm. like he's made like an online driving course called Beyond Sea Time, and he's a national champion, like super good driving talent. Yeah. Like he just said that his street touring, um, Miata, Miata mm-hmm. which is essentially like fully prepped suspension, you know, two forty five tires, full bolt ons and a tune. Mm-hmm. Is kind of the the crux of what you can do in the class. Um, Wait, he's got a tune. Wait, how much power? It, it's just it's just like a ninety three tune, eighty five tune. It's ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's just a ninety. Uh, oh shoot! There's like the ND one and ND two or something like that. But is is it the updated model? He's a two. Okay. ND two. Because cool. he ran it in street class, right? Which because of the ND two. Street class of grid life. No, 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 no. Street class and autocross. Um, 
I'm gonna get that's this funny so many times. Oh All my right. god! Continuing on. So, well, street class and autocross, like an SCCA, does not have the liberty that um, SCCA or street class and grid life has. Okay. Like you can't do coilovers. You could just do shock absorbers. You could do one sway bar. You can do wheels of a different diameter, but of the same width only are allowed. Okay. And you can put on whatever size tire you can fit. That that is a Twitter Treadwear rated tire. Okay. And you can do a catback exhaust. That's pretty much all you can do in street in street class and SCCA. Okay. Versus hmm. like your car, you can do a tune. You can do wheels. Yeah, so and like tires. street class for uh, grid life, there's a do, lot more flexibility. With, you can with do you, can you know do. suspension. Like that that's more along the lines of like what a street touring SCCA car is. Okay. So like literally, I mean, for Vivek again, so like, like headers. Rest of the exhaust, intake, tune, mm-hmm. um, bushings, you know, camber plates, sway bars, coilovers, um, wheels, tires, but he's up 245 square. Okay. Hmm. Um, but he, no, regardless, he's like, well, this setup is a fucking handful. Oh. Like, he just was, just thought it was ridiculous how not planted the car felt out there. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well then, in any case, where, how did we get to here? Um, I don't know. Let's step back. All right. So that is uh, the preliminary. So he too, you're heading out. And uh, yeah, you, you allowed me to ride passenger. And what I will say about like your car was I can kind of tell that it was your, you, I was only in the car for the first run. Yeah. Like, which granted, was... like Because it was the first run, I could tell that you were in reserve mode. Because 100%. like the first run was a 77 and you shaved in just four runs later, you were doing a 71. So you shaved off six seconds, Yeah. which on a little track like Harris Hill is a ton of time. Exactly. Yeah. That's a very small course. So like that is a lot of time. So it would have been very interesting checking out your uh, being with you in the last run, the heat four or mm-hmm. run four. Sorry. But nonetheless, like it was a good little uh, track. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about uh, your runs? You know, it's so, well, run one was like, just kind of like you, it was like reconnaissance. Feeling it out. You said yeah. like, you said the word, right? You said reconnaissance. Yeah. And that, that, that I think I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just feeling the track because with Harris Hill, there's a lot of elevation changes and I there's was a lot very of, surprised a by lot it. of blindness, right? Like, yeah. Two main corners. You had to understand that the corner was coming up. Yeah. Before that you, before the crest came on the hill yeah. and you so, saw where the turn was. I don't know, man, I don't know all the tur- uh, corner numbers because uh, I never ran it like in the proper configuration, but we're just going to go with reverse configuration and we're going to count it that way. So like turn one was coming out, like you're still getting into third gear. Turn two was the actual like first left-hander. That one I was very surprised coming up to it initially was how blind it actually was. Once the, like the second, third and fourth run, it was fine. But like the very first time you come up to turn for us, turn two, it was shocking how blind it was. Didn't really know where the braking points were. The only indication that it was time to brake, in my opinion, was one, the cone on the right side, and then the uh, tire marks, the straight line tire marks in front of us. Yeah. That was the indication. And then, uh, yeah, that was turn two, long, turn three, making a right, turn four, argue, I don't know, that's like another right turn. Uh, turn five, back to the left. Turn six, the kink is what I'm going to call it. And then turn seven was the actual like right-hander uphill. 
Yeah. So you're like going actually up that hill and then making the left turn for now, what, turn eight? Uh, the hill portion is what surprised me, how uh, blind it was. Yeah. There was nothing. It was just the sky. I was very surprised by the elevation. Yeah, I'm just like driving up this in, into the clouds. Yeah, which <laughs> like, there, to my knowledge, there is not a parking lot that an autocross event has ever ran that had that kind of elevation. So no, no, not at all. What did you feel about that? Um, it was really trippy because like, while the, the Corvette, it's 2,900 pounds with 300, it's just bolt-ons and it's about 330 wheel horsepower. Yeah. And like, that's a lot of car. Like that, that will move. And yeah. I'm like, you know, the, I really need to understand where I'm at and I need to maintain control or else this is going to go very badly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so like just getting a sense of like where the elevation change was leading me and like anticipating on what I was going to see just as like a starting point was nice. So like once I knew that, oh, I crested the hill, I can start braking mm -hmm. or I can keep going on the gas or whatever. That was, that was nice because I mean, the, the hills were so aggressive. Yeah. You, know, you, you saw nothing, like no indicators of what was coming up at all. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, I understand what you're and saying. I didn't get any ride alongs or anything and I didn't do my due diligence and watch that many videos. It was actually really hard to find videos of it running in reverse. Really? Um, I think Matt posted a video. So like that was actually pretty decent, but like his was one of very few that was actually like... Counterclockwise? Counterclockwise and like good at showing the counterclockwise line. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. Matt, Matt is also like a legend in that track. <laughs> he was helping that he was a member, so. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to go back. I would love to go back to uh, Harris Hill and run it in the uh, proper configuration, clockwise, yeah. uh, and actually do like full laps. Yeah. Actually, this is a really good point, uh, stopping point, not stopping point, but like sidetrack, hot take. Is a track sprint equal to a hot lap? Oh. Um. Are they synonymous? See, the thing is, is like you don't get a warm up when you do like a hot lap because, you know, it's typically with like a hot lap. You just you go out in your out lap and yes, your out lap. So, it, no, it's not the same. It's not. Thank the you. Same. Because, uh, oh, man, who was saying that? I think it was actually Fazu who commented like on my Instagram post. But I had stated that a hot lap is not the same thing as a track sprint. No. So to me, a hot lap or any lap for that matter, just a lap period is simply uh, you're running a course where the start and the finish line are exactly the same. Yeah. So you do your out lap, which your outing is really what I would call it. Uh, and then your first lap is truly like where you cross the start and finish line at the same, like it's the same point. Whereas what we did, the start and the finish line were completely separate. Yeah. The start line was on the, uh, the front straight of Harris Hill. And then the finish line was coming up to the last second to last corner after the uh, right after going back down the hill. Yeah. So like to me, like that was a you could call it either a run or you could call it a sprint. They call it track sprint. So I'm going with that. Like a hot lap and track sprint, just my take. Like those are not the same thing. Because like in my opinion, if it's a lap, then it is something that like you could actually warm repeat. up on. You could repeat. warm up on. You can repeat over and over and over again. 
Um, yeah, that's just uh, my take on it. No, I agree. I think that's that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. Yeah, sweet. And that's, yeah, and that's coming from an autocrosser. <laughs> so yeah, because like, have you ever caught it? Called a single run in autocross a lap? I, the only context I'll use that in is like talking to someone that like I know like doesn't even know how to check their oil. Like, hey, I'm doing laps on a track here. Versus like, oh, I'm doing oh. a run on this form of racing where I'm in a parking lot and I chase cones. Yeah. You know, that's the only context, like, I'll use it in. That's fair. Um, but yeah. In any case, fun event. You did heat two. You had all the dry weather, so you were able to get down pretty well. Overall, you did a, um, you got sixth place in raw time for everybody at the event. Yeah. Which had over 100 people. Yeah. Or at least 800 people. Yeah. Is either 100 or potentially I was 101. But in any case, there were uh, roughly 100 people that were there. Yeah. You got six, which is phenomenal. I think I was the fastest person that did not have any previous road course experience. Pretty good. Yeah. That, yeah. Watching your lines. Like, you actually, you definitely have uh, some natural talent to it. And I think my as, like, entries were way better than my exits, which is yeah. not, which is the, on autocross, it's the opposite. My entries are always... Or, or way, way worse than my exits in autocross. Interesting. But my entries, I felt like I wasn't out tracking enough. I wasn't really pushing the limit outside of the corner while using all the track, which would have allowed me to carry yeah. more speed. Yeah, the much as be, do you, well, actually, do you think that's because you were still holding back a little bit because it's your first time you were concerned about going off? So you were. I think, I think, like, sort of that, like, like, hey, we're, like, I guess that little bit of anxiety, I guess. Yeah, like, it, didn't allow me to think and process on, oh, I could really, I was more worried about the entry and being able to make the corner, you know, realizing, okay, where, where really is the limit of grip, which I found out by the way on run two. Yeah. Um, I went <laughs> off in Mustang corner and had a full off and, um, I did some lawn mowing for Harris Hill. So. That's good. They, My uh, splitter got a little beat up, but it's, it's completely functional still. Like you know. it's Yeah. The nine live sturdy boy mounts held up pretty well. So good, good. And hey, as a wood splitter, probably needed to be touched up a little bit anyways prior to this event. It was already pretty bad. That splitter's been saying, through a lot. Like, yeah. Like when I saw it, if it, it was a brand new carved, shaved, smoothed out splitter that you had just done the night before, I would have felt so bad. The other thing but, too is like that splitter has been through so much scraping from street driving. Yeah. That like the front, like two or three <clears> inches <throat> of the splitter. Yeah. It's like curved. So it's kind of almost sharp in the front mm. in its own way because of just the sheer amount of scraping that's been done from yeah. just rubbing on the street. Which, yeah. Uh, that was also something that was kind of like small little like side note about this event. Like it was kind of nice just being able to like drive to the event, run the car and drive back. Because typically, like, for these uh, cross-country trips, I prefer the trailer of the car. One, because, like, the Expedition is just so much more comfortable to ride in in the first place. But then, two, if something does go wrong, not even that, like, I wouldn't even say that I'm not concerned at all about the reliability of the Focus. But, like, you never know when, like, something could, like, randomly go wrong. And so, like, Laguna, a month ago, on the last event, on the last session, the, um, the brake rotor cracked. So, like, had that cracked and I had to drive it back home, it would have been miserable. That would have been very so. sketchy. Yeah, that would have been pretty bad. They also, like, it's, it's so, nice well, to uh, be able to... Well, what I was like, with the thought is that, like, driving there and driving back, 
I was like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I go off and like mess with the bumper. It's already messed up enough anyways. Uh, oops, hopefully you don't hear that. No. Yeah. Uh, in any case, I was concerned about, because I was in street, quote unquote, like more of a street spec than what I actually run for grid life. Yeah. Uh, which really all that entails is like having glycol in the coolant system so it doesn't freeze over and then running the stock pads and rotors in the front brakes. I was concerned about that initially, but I had nothing to worry about because it rained in my session. So like I was hitting ABS anyways, did not bother me one bit. Uh, versus today, the ABS was chittering and shattering. Yeah, that was uh, coming in clutch compared it, to yours. That was still like the actual performance of that system is really good though. Like it actually really got you slowed down. It does this thing. I don't know anything about brakings. I just know how to flush them now and uh, swap pads and swap rotors. But like the ins and out and like how the tuning is set up for ABS. Could not tell you a single thing. That'd be cool to go and get someone to like speak on that behalf. But uh, it did its job. Yeah. I was definitely uh, very, very, very reliant on ABS slowing yeah. me down today in the rain. Um, yeah, it worked its wonders. It was pretty damn good. But yeah, like my heat, let me just like go into that real quick. So I'm, my heat was heat four, not four, three. three. And each run got consecutively worse. By a lot. It got, it rained more and the track just got more and more wet. In that surface, the first one, it's so slippery when it's wet. That's, honestly, that's like a lot of track. So like I've done MSR Houston in the wet. It was just as slick. Actually, maybe a little bit more slick. Uh, but like, so my first run in Heat 3, that's when you were in the car. That's when it would be my, first, my uh, best run. But like that was the time where like it was missing. It was starting to come down a little bit harder. But the wet line versus the dry line was not immediately apparent they honestly felt exactly the same i tried both like mid corner or some other corners they felt exactly the same but then the second third actually more the third one the third run that one it was easily apparent that the wet line was far more gripping than the dry line mm -hmm. and you could easily like you could actually see the difference yeah the track. Sure. yeah and then the fourth one i already posted a video about this on youtube <laughs> the fourth one Carol, my wife, rode with me, and apparently that was like the scariest run that I'd ever done with her. Dude, like she's you, gone out. You were drifting the shit. You what? were sliding at 110 miles an hour. Was it 110? I'll have to go back to the video and see how fast it was. Sure it was over around. 100. It was fourth gear. So it was fourth gear. Yeah, it was fourth gear sliding. Which, if I'm getting into fourth gear, it's over 80 miles per hour. Third gear tops out at 80. Yeah. So if I'm getting into fourth gear, then yeah, it's over 80. In any I case, need to see what my uh, top speed was. I'm pretty sure I hit almost 135. Have you ever gone that fast in your car on the track? Not in a racing environment? No, never. Not even close. Not even on the... Never mind. We won't bring it to the highway. No. That's, Texas highway's not here. Okay. You know, yeah, the most I've done is 85. Nice. The most I've done in my car was 146 at Coda. I thought you were going to have to say the toll road. No, no, legitimately, no, I won't say how fast I got on the toll road, but it was not that fast. The fastest I've ever actually been in my car. The fastest is, is you went on the toll road was the speed limit, right? All, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Perfect. Safety all the time. Absolutely. Got to obey the law. <laughs> yeah. Recapping, like, what we did over at uh, Texas Spokes. A lot of fun. A lot of, 
Like, it was very efficient. It was a great way to enjoy a Sunday morning. Like, sure, it sucks to wake up early in the morning, but like, you just You're going take... to do cool racing shit with your friends. Like, there's no other thing you'd there's want to wake that. up. It's close by, it's cheap. Um, you don't get as much, like, sure, you're not getting a ton of seat time, but like, the dollar per lap time, like, it's comparable to an Well, HPD. and it's an actual competition, right? Like, you actually get to go up against and... Not for me, not in Heat 3 with all the rain. You know what I mean. Like, the premise <laughs> of it is a competition, so... That is true. And then also, I think, like, it was a competition. It was just, like, it was fun being on track and then be able to go home by 1 p.m. Yeah, that was so. that was pretty nice. Yeah, we were. We, I was out by, like, like, no later than 12.30. Yeah. It was pretty oh. sick. Then, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a normal, a shorter event than normal Spokes Autocross. Really? Wait, how late do the events normally go So, to? Spokes autocrosses typically run, I'll say anywhere between 10 to, to like, 2.30 to, to 3.30. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. That's but then, terrible. like, what's really cool is, so, between turns um, 11 and 12 at Coda, mm-hmm. like, the lot H along the main yeah. straightaway, or the back straightaway, is mm-hmm. where we have our events, and if... Anyone in our club books a spot, a camping spot, with where the campers are along that straightaway. Yeah, we get access to the pool. So there's oh, a pool. Okay. Within literal, just like, like you walk two minutes from the actual like autocross surface, and you're entering the pool area. <laughs> so it's turning we from. bring like a bunch of beer coolers and hang out and drink by the pool and a lot of the times there's like you know edge addicts or some track days going on so there's freaking porsche gt3 have you heard about the hooliganry that goes on goes down at a uh, midwest event in gingerman in michigan like wait you're talking about midwest festival yeah midwest fest but like have you heard about the stuff that goes no, on I, I after no. the track goes cold no uh i forget exactly who brings the hot tub but Someone brings Wait, an inflatable hot You tub. did not. We brought an inflatable pool to Nationals. Spokes did you really? brought an inflatable pool to Nationals. I wonder who did it first. But in any case, I think it's I think it's 1010's podcast because they're always talking about oh, their podcast. Oh, my God. In any case, they, they bring like an inflatable hot tub. Like I've seen it over at Costco. I don't know if it's the exact model brand. But in any case, like it is an inflatable hot tub. And they will take it out there. They've taken it out for the past, I don't know, like three events at least. And they, yeah, they enjoy the hot tub. Bunch of guys, hopefully some girls get a hop in there. Sorry, Carol. Uh, get in there. And like, okay, it's true. It's honestly just a bunch of dudes. But in any case, it's just a, it's just a fun time. Like they go Nick, and get a hot tub. The first cool. time for what I heard, like on their separate podcast, is that they went and filled it up by driving a truck with like a, a tarp to a water fountain or something to fill it up. They fill the truck up with a tarp with a bunch of water. They back the truck up to the hot tub and then they lift down the tailgate and they funnel the water using the tarp into the hot tub. And so like it's a whole tailgate's worth and I guess like it fills up pretty quickly. It it worked shockingly well. Phenomenally Damn. well. Okay. And then the other crazy thing that I I think they had spoken about on their podcast was the fact that they heated it up uh maybe not the first year but the second year via a car coolant system so they like ran the water through the car's coolant system to like warm up the water faster than like the stock will uh resistive heater electric system holy shit that's in any case like 
hot tubs, pools, whatever, like it's happening in multiple places. Dude, but, that's amazing. So the first time we did it was in Beeville. So one of the Where's Beeville? It's about I would say three hours three hours south of Austin, about two hours south of San Antonio. Okay. A little southeast. Um you know, like kind of heading a little towards Corpus. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere south of Austin in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Um, kind of middle of nowhere, but there's a big air park there. So we have massive autocrosses. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking courses that took as long as our track sprints did today. Um, but they're technical autocrosses. And um, we like to support the towns because Beeville just started letting us race there in 2021. Yeah, and like that is such a good autocross site, like because there's the hotels, the ho- the hotels there are plentiful and inexpensive. There's good inexpensive food and beverage there in Beaver, like the town. So yeah. it's like it makes it so it's a good weekend, and the the concrete there is incredibly grippy. Okay, and what happened was there's like this place for like it's like the Beaver Industrial Water Supply, so yeah. we go like support them. And I don't know if you've ever seen those, like, the big kind of cube-looking clear containers, but they have, like, the metal cages around them. Mm-hmm. You see them, like, with, like, I don't know, different, you know, liquid transport vehicles. We got one of those. We brought it to Beeville. We filled it up, and then we used the pool oh, pump to okay. pump it, and then we cycled it and filtered it. So it was, like, a full pool, and it worked huh. like a charm. Yeah. And the water was filtered and clean, and it was... That's pretty honestly badass. incredible. And the pool was probably I'm gonna say like probably like fifteen by ten. Hmm. It was pretty big. It was pretty damn big. Fifteen by ten is probably on the bigger side. But Dang. so um, you're speaking uh, pretty highly about these uh, shenanigans that go around racetracks and whatnot. Spokes, dude. Yeah. So goes hard. one, I want to go check this out. But then two, are you willing to go out to uh, Michigan sometime? And oh, I don't know. Let me just look at the schedule. In June seventh. In Michigan, how far yeah. of a drive is that from here? Oh, it's it's like. 20 hours. Oh, my God. No, I took the back. Hold on. Let me actually look this up. <laughs> Is so, it, like, where in Michigan, though? So, Gingerman, from oh. this from this very spot, like, my home, it is 18 and a half hours. <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> if And that's going through Dallas, Memphis... And then a bunch of back roads through Illinois. The grid life schedule is so not Texas friendly. It's really not. It's, same thing this with is Optima. This is the worst year for grid life. Same thing with Optima. Like Alt- I, Ultima, Ultimate Street Car. Yeah. Um, the people that do like the, the autocross and racing at SEMA. Yeah. Like the, the most friendly one they had was NOLA. And of course, that's the one freaking weekend that I'm going on a cruise. And it's also the same weekend as Super Lap Battle. So, like, there's so many conflicts that were with that event. You should have gone. NOLA is so much fun. I, I got, had customers that went. I went to NOLA in I hear 20, NOLA's great. For a track that has absolutely zero elevation, it is so much fun. Yeah. I cannot think of another track that has that amount of lack of elevation and yet being so much fun. Yeah. I want to go back so bad. Just waiting for the right event to go to, but it's Nola is worth the drive in my opinion. That's plus on top of I would, that, like, I would think it is. Well, the the okay. track alone is a lot of fun. Just hopefully you're not going in the middle of summertime because I'm sure that would suck. That w- it was. But it I was, went in the. It was mid March. 
That should be fine. Yeah. Shoot, when did I go? I think I went in, I think I went in November of 2020. 2020. Yeah, November of 2020. Some, it was during COVID. It was uh, one of those track times. Yeah. In any case, it was, uh, I was living in Houston at the time. It was only a five-hour drive to get out there. This is back when I had the Honda Ridgeline tow the Focus. In any case, like the track alone is a lot of fun. You did that too. Yeah, me neither. Uh, let's not get into that one. That was <laughs> oh, uh, that was a uh, truck that required third gear to like do anything over a hill. Oh, uh, yeah, it was pretty rough. Like Nola was like pushing it. Was how bad it was. But you know, like it did everything else just fine. In any case, Nola Nola is fun as a track. And then on top of that, like once the uh, track stuff like ends. You're in New Orleans, which means, you, like, if you're with uh, the significant other or if you're with friends, like, you can go out to Bourbon Street and you can have a good time. The time that we went, it was a little rainy, but, like, nonetheless, Carol and I still, like, went out there. It was one of our anniversaries. It was when we started dating, so it must have been no... No, sorry. It wasn't when we started dating. Oh, shoot, I'm totally the screwing this up. The anniversary when we first started dating. It was either the dating anniversary or it was the actual, like proposal anniversary one of the two they were in the it was in november proposal anniversary huh proposal anniversary so while y'all were engaged no we were already married but we were like still we have anniversary for several things in any case uh nola is worth the weekend like going out there doing it at least like a two-day event yeah tentatively i think there's no nola next year which sucks because i I really want to go to sema and if i go in and i i really want to go autocross at sema Next oh. year. Yeah, I just want to go see it. Just streetcar invitational. Uh, so okay. it's like a, you you have to do Optima Ultimate Streetcar events, which are a compilation of um, road course, speed stop, autocross, design and engineering con- like judging, and change your car drive on the street, and you get aggregate points from each of those events, and then you get determined a winner. Hmm. Um, there it's really cool, man. Like it's televised. So it's both objective, based on like some some events. Like you have a lap time, but it's yeah. also subjective. Yeah, no, D and E is subjective, but it's like D and E is one of those things where it's like, I think it's more show car stuff than like like let's say I like designed my own like electronic turbo or something, like that yeah. wouldn't really count versus like. D&E points counts for, like, having a flocked interior, like, helps you. Or having, like, aftermarket fancy carpet helps. Hmm. Or having a subwoofer helps. Apparently, having a subwoofer is worth, like, a certain amount of points in Optima. Does so, you have these, you have these autocross count? cars that run in Optima with full interiors. And, like, there's, there's 3,400-pound C5Z06s. Hey, man, that's how much I weigh. That go run... Hey, don't, don't be, don't be, don't be, uh, don't be, uh, I don't know. Shit on 3,400 pounds. Yeah, don't my, be fat shaming 3,400 pounds. Don't be fat for cars. <laughs> I, need, I need to go weigh my car. I said this in the last podcast, but I need to go weigh my car. So freaking bad. I, I got my car weighed in national. It was 29.20. I am nowhere close to that. <laughs> 29.20 at half tank. Man, I can't wait to weigh my car with the new seats. Wait, what seats are you going with? Oh, I have uh, Recaro pole positions. I have two of them for both driver and passenger. Here? They're literally sitting in the garage right now. What the hell? Yeah. Hell yeah. That's so cool. So like, 
Yeah. So what's stopping you from putting them in the car? It's cold out and I really like having the heated seats in the okay, stock that's, setup. That's fair. It's honestly one of the things where, so my plan for like the seats is, uh, I'll put the recars in for, in the off season. Like once it started like really prepping the car for like the summer season. And then with the stock seats, I will take them out and I really want to like just po like place them onto a uh, office chair, like, uh, rollers. So that way you can still like use them and sit on them. <laughs> and then like every year I'll just swap them. Heck yeah. I man. love having heated seats. I, like, that's one of the reasons no, I've I, this I, long. No, I, in the Mazda, in my, my daily is a Mazda 2022 Mazda 3 for yeah. reference. Um, hatchback, six speed, premium trim. It's really weird how that works. Like, what, it, what you need to get the six speed in the Mazda 3. But regardless, the heated seats are really good. Like, and the heated steering wheel. I don't know about you, man, but like, I'm 26 or 30. Like, we're getting older. Yeah. Like that heated seat on your back. It is no longer comfort. Helps. It is a it is a medical it's, benefit. It's a medical <laughs> like this it is, is there for medical purposes. This is so I don't die young. <laughs> heated seats. I completely agree. That's why like all three of my cars like have heated seats. The Focus, the Tesla, and the Expedition all Dude, have heated I, I seats. I cannot wait to have heated seats in the in the F1. All three of them also have heated seats. I got to like I gotta give credit to you, man. Like, I would not be on this hunt for a new daily without you letting me borrow the expedition for nationals. Uh, and I would not have let you be in that position without my coworker literally doing the same thing for me last year when I went out to HMP, where he we swapped the. It's not even my Tesla. It's Carol's Tesla, my wife's Tesla, but we swapped her car with my coworker's F one fifty, and just that single drive out to Kansas was like, this is it. I don't care what it takes, but like we're going to get something that can tow north of 10,000. That's hilarious. Not 10,000, 9,000 pounds. I didn't know that's how it came for you too. Yeah. That's crazy. That's what I was, I was kind of, I was, to you, I was like returning the favor that he did to me. I was like paying it basically forward. But it's yeah, not, it's, yeah. it's so funny that it's not only like, oh, that you let me borrow it and I was able to do this event. It's that, hey, I've had a whole paradigm shift on what I want my daily driver to be. Or my tow rig to be, yeah. Because of this experience, it was that. So I wanted. So there were two criteria as to why I got the expedition specifically. One, I wanted a vehicle that could tow better. So <laughs> that basically meant like it's just something that had a V8 or a twin turbo V6 compared to <laughs> the, the bar was low. Yeah, that was a pretty low <laughs> bar. bar was... But then the other aspect was I wanted something that could have uh, three rows because I knew I was going to be doing the six passenger road trip out to Minnesota this past summer. And so I needed three rows guaranteed. And the side benefit of having three rows is that Carol and I, whenever we do go to a different events and like camp inside that, well, just that we could camp inside the vehicle and we could fit a full size air match. Inside Dude, the expedition. there's so much room in there's there. There's a ton of room. It's insane. So, with though with the criteria of like towing a lot and then having a lot of room for like basically being three passengers that limited me in my opinion to the expedition the tahoe and the sequoia those are the top three cars i was looking into yeah uh the armada never really interested and i guess there's so, some other cars that are three rows and like can technically tow nine thousand pounds but those are the three cars that like i was most interested in the Tahoe, I never liked the interior. Like I sat in one, looked at several of them. I just like something about the interior just never like clicked what with me. What years were you looking at? 2020, like with the Expedition. Man, damn. 
Chevy really dropped the ball with this new gen interior. Because I thought like the 2014 to 2018-ish uh, interiors yeah. for the Silverados and the Tahoes yeah. was spectacular. Yeah, those are pretty good. I don't yeah, know. But then they like the made the one. screen smaller and like the materials became worse. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just, I don't, like, how do you get worse than Fisher I'm Price? I'm just like, this is like a degree. This is like, well, they went, they, they ascended from Fisher Price, on onto, onto something else. Yeah. Then and they then became, they descended back into Fisher Price. I don't know. I think they went to Fisher Price as a subcontractor. In any case, uh, the Tahoe just did not click with me. Also, uh, well, anyways. Tahoe did not click with me. So then it was between the Sequoia and the Expedition, which the Sequoia had the five point. I was looking at a, not the brand new one. I love the brand new one, could not afford it. Uh, so I was in like the 50K range, which meant that I was looking at the second generation Sequoia with a 5.7 liter. And the interior didn't necessarily bother me how old it was. But honestly, the thing that like uh, made me click with Expedition was make me sound like such a Ford fanboy, but like the powertrain. It's so, like having the the V6 twin turbo with no, it's ample a, amount of it's torque. It's better than the five three. It's better than the six two. It's better than the five seven. Uh, better in what way? It's more powerful. It has yes. more output and it's more I efficient. I will not argue that is more reliable. The EcoBoost is, is even more efficient more reliable than the five three. Yeah. which makes nowhere near the power of torque, and you deal with the cylinder deactivation issues. And this is coming from a guy that has an LS. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I agree. So, like, the powertrain is really what sold me on the Expedition compared yeah. to the Sequoia. The interior in the Expedition, to me, is better. The 2020 Expedition versus 2020 Sequoia. The Expedition, in my opinion, is far better than Sequoia. Yeah, the, um, the material choice is better, and the I think the design is better, too. Yeah, it's just, like, it's easy. Yeah, it's now, a, that a, said, if I if money was absolutely no object, I'd be sitting in a TRD Pro Sequoia, third gen. But, oh, they really stepped it up with the new one, though. Yeah, Holy I agree, shit. but, like, that's literally, like, a brand-new TRD Sequoia is double the price of what I paid for the Expedition. Wait, you're telling me those things are clocking in at six figures? No, 90. So you're at six figures, though, after taxes and fees and everything? Eh, no, it's, it's like 90 out the door. Okay. So, like, for me, for the exposition, it was 52 out the door. Okay. Uh, Sequoia was, like, in the 90, 90 range. Okay, because even then, several but, years ago, Escalade hit over 100. But I, like, I get that's a luxury SUV. Yeah. But I'm like, it wouldn't surprise me at this point that SUVs that aren't luxury SUVs hit up. Like, you could get $100,000 Suburban now. Oh, yeah. So that's the other thing, too. If I were to go or and get the Yukon Sequoia, it'd be four-wheel drive. And the only reason I'm doing four-wheel drive is to go on, like, adventures. And you're beating the crap out of it. So, like, I don't know, man. I'm starting to really appreciate having friends that are willing to let me drive their off-road rigs, like Fez. Oh, you haven't met Fez Wait, or what Zach is, or what Kenny. Is, I know Fez has a has a. Twin. Fez has a 2022 third gen Toyota uh, Tundra. Okay. TRD Pro. Uh, another friend of mine, Kenny Pham, he has a 2011 Lexus GX 460 with some with a nice lift and wheels and tires, tasteful. And then uh, another friend of mine has a, also a Lexus GX 470 with this, like similar wheels and tires, suspension modifications. Yeah. And then another friend of mine that's really into off-roading, 
His name is Zach, and he has a he now has a shoot. I don't know what your model is, but he has a the uh, Chevy Colorado ZR2, and he has the diesel model. Those so, are awesome. Those are cool trucks. Yeah, they're all fantastic in their own in their own way. Yeah, better than the Honda Ridgeline. <laughs> so so wait hey, so it, it was no, no 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 you you've brought it up so tell what is the story of the Ridgeline like like why why like, did they get a Honda Ridgeline no like yeah like why did you get a Ridgeline like why did you pick this lifted Ridgeline oh I your, put the lift on there it was complete stock when I bought it <laughs> so like were you looking for a tow rig did you just want a truck as a daily like what that uh, so it was more to do with the fact that at the time I want. Caroline just needed to have a truck for like doing a bunch of moving, landscaping, yada yada. Um, I looked at the tow rating. I was like, it can tow the Focus. And on top of that, I was like, I wanted something that was reliable and was convenient to daily drive. And the Honda Ridgeline, it is, it is a fantastic daily driver with a trunk bed. Did you ever actually be in the Ridgeline? They had like the in-bed trunk. It, it was really, I think, very clever. The, problem, the biggest problem with the Ridgeline is the fact that it is V6 and it does not have a transfer case. Is it a five-speed? And it's five-speed. Oh, that's not enough so, years to tow with. So, that's, well, there was a Honda Ridgeline towing today. A Honda Ridgeline showed up. I think the biggest problem You know who that is? That's Javier's. That's, that's Margarita Man's. Oh, really? With yeah. the Type R? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh, pretty sweet. In any case, like, if you keep it stock, it's, I think it's fine. It gets the job done. But I put the wheels and tires on, the larger ones, and it definitely took a, it, it, yeah, it required third gear far too frequently. Oh my God. It's fine. It never broke down on me. I know. It's great. I'm just like, it's like what towing with my dad's old um, 2002 Silverado. We're talking about it. Yeah, it's fine. Like. It got the job done, but now I'm in something better. The tow is better. No, uh, it's the other like, thing too is it's like cool to see the progression. I was also yeah. limited to 10k, so like it was for 10 grand in something that oh, that's that's actually good for 10 for if you're money limited that much, that's that's actually really good. Yeah, so it was pretty solid. Yeah. It had pretty low miles at the time when I bought it, so I was, I don't know, it did the job, it got me places, towed the focus, yeah, and uh, sold it for basically the same amount of money. No, that's really good. Yeah, because you COVID sold prices. it in like the peak. Yeah. So was it paid so, off and everything? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I we did have a loan, but we ended up paying it off like a year later. That's good. We got the loan just so we didn't have to like put a bunch of money down immediately. But hey, it is getting late. So yeah, I think it'd be a good time. Any to last comments about today? Um, today was fun. I'd do it all over again in a heartbeat. I would one hundred percent do today all over again. Want to do more track sprints? I am now looking forward to more Las Vegas Formula One races. We yeah, we'll the touch race on before. that on the next one. How about that? That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Today uh, was pretty freaking solid for just a uh, random Sunday in Texas and <clears throat> November. <laughs> uh, it's one of the best months though in Texas, to be honest, in my opinion. I don't know. It can be decent, it could be really cold, but it could be either or. Yeah. So anyways, let's uh let's wrap this up. We've uh we've been talking for quite some time. Yeah. You all have a good so, one. Appreciate anyways, it. thanks for everyone for uh listening to this. If uh whoever is to listen to this, probably just Fez at this point. Um I'll send it yeah. to Val. 
<laughs> I'll send this to Carol. We'll get four, I'll get uh, four listeners onto the oh, metrics. Yeah. In it. any case, uh, yeah, talk to you in the next one, and hopefully Fez will actually show up there and be back then we can in all the real estate. We can all be do back. it together. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we can even do it remotely, but yeah, let's wrap it up. So, yeah. talk to you all later, guys. See you in the next one. Bye.